Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Good morning, church. So grateful uh, for all that God has done and uh, thankful that we, uh, in response to that, can worship and praise Him, that we can gather uh, as His people and lift high His name. Uh, I share, and many of you uh, see and know that our mission really is just this heart and this thought of empowering generations to love God, love people, and put that love in action. And uh, what an incredible time of year as we uh, get to walk uh, toward this uh, season of Christmas and just to be reminded of the incarnation. Had a, a great day yesterday with some of our Trail Life uh, boys. The rain wasn't quite as cooperative as we uh, had hoped in being able to deliver wood, but really had a, uh, just a great time gathering and uh, just learning and learning that, you know, sometimes we think about work being something that uh, a lot of times we, we ask the boys, Mr. Tom asked the boys, hey, uh, when did work happen? Was it before or after the fall? You know, and the boys were kind of back and forth uh, about that, right? And, and what we understand is that uh, work was, was before the fall and that we were, uh, that, that God placed Adam and Eve in, and he placed Adam in the garden, right, to cultivate and to keep it. And so uh, we see that picture and we get to work, right? It's not that we got to work, we get to work. And it was just a great time uh, with our boys. We'll be uh, meeting again today. Uh, with them following this service and just another uh, trail life day. And so encouraged by our volunteers and those that are uh, just serving in a great way there. I want to share just something really near to my heart. We've, uh, many of you have been part of a, an Advent Bible reading plan where we've collectively been able to read and just your comments and your engagement there uh, has been beautiful. Uh, you can still jump in that. We've got a few weeks as we uh, lean toward Christmas that you can be part of that. You'll see that in the uh, in the online bulletin, you'll see that in the, the church app. You'll see uh, on our disciple page uh, places that you can connect in there. Uh, you'll also see we've got the 2024 reading plan that is available now. And so beginning on January 1st as a church, uh, you can have an opportunity to kind of connect in community reading uh, the way we've done the Advent plan. And so we've got that uh, set up as well and also paper copies, memory verses, all those things um, throughout this year, we've been talking about just this heart that we see in the Word of God, not for simply us to gather and gain information, but that this place would be a training center where people are equipped and sent out on mission for the glory of God. And we, we talked about uh, Henry Ford just as a, a little bit of an example, and he had a, a picture, he had a model of this Model T, and then uh, something happened that really transformed the way um, really, really brought on the Industrial Revolution, this thought of this assembly line or this moving assembly line. And so he had a, a picture, he had a model, uh, and then he had a method that this car was produced. And it, and it was incredible uh, what happened in that. And we, uh, as, a, as a faith family and as a, uh, as a staff and with our deacons and just engaging uh, throughout this year, we, we tried to say, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to have the character and competency traits that we see in Christ? Because uh, ultimately, we know that God is working to conform us to his image and that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and he uses it to conform us to the image of God. And so when we see that, uh, we, we define that. We kind of made this, this, this picture, this model, and we said we hope that every believer that gathers would be a daily abiding 
And so we hope that you'll be in the Word of God every day and in private prayer and in time with the Father, that you'd be a daily abiding, regularly sharing, that we'd take what we've heard and what we've learned, that we would share it, that we'd engage, intentionally discipling, force for good, that you'd make a difference where you live, work, and play, and that God would use you in that way. And so we have this model, and, and we believe uh, that the Lord has, has started in our hearts really a, a method. It's not the only method, uh, but it is a method that we believe will bring uh, just intense and incredible transformation in the lives of people that are part of it. And so this coming Wednesday night and for the next two Wednesdays, uh, Tom and I are going to be working together. We'll be gathered in our traditional uh, worship space, and we'll be sharing more about what this looks like, an intentional discipleship program. Some of you have asked about hey, let me know when that's coming. I'd love to be part of that. So we invite you to come. It's going to be a time where leaders will be equipped. It'll be a time where you can kind of examine and learn about what this looks like and whether or not you, you would feel led, uh, feel led to lead a group like that or to be part of a group like that. Uh, believe, we believe it's going to be transformational uh, in the lives of those that take part and in the lives of our church. So at 630, the next two Wednesday nights, our adult groups, uh, I believe most all of our groups are going to uh, be transitioning, be part of that. And so uh, come enjoy a meal from 530 to 630 and jump in there. Uh, we're, we're encouraged by what we believe the Lord uh, is doing in, in these kind of environments. And so um, we're going to jump in. Appreciate uh, Pastor Chris last week and the blessing of uh, being able to be away with my bride as we celebrated 26 years. What a joy uh, that's been with my bride. And you can give her a hand for putting up with me for that long, right? All uh, the Lord's grace, but uh, appreciate Pastor Chris and just a great job he did in sharing. And, and while we were away, you know, it's leading up to Christmas, and so it's a time. Uh, we, we just kind of went over to Pigeon Forge and spent a couple days. But while we were there, it's a time that um, my bride says, hey, you know, it's time we've got to finish out our Christmas shopping list. And so I don't know about you guys in here, but, but for me, uh, some of the gifts that our kids open on Christmas morning, some of the gifts that we give our family, right, they're as big a surprise to me as they are to them, right? And so I'm so thankful uh, that she's always uh, working at that. And so we were in uh, the Bath and Body uh, store, right? I don't know if anybody's been in there, best smelling place in the world, right? And, and, and I just go in there and, you know, Sherry always knows what she's doing in there. And so I just go in and make some conversation. You'll find an employee working there. And one of the questions you can ask her is, can you tell me what I smell? I'd like to buy that. And they'll kind of look at you a little funny. And um, it, it's, it's kind of a, an interesting place. So I'm making some conversation with the lady that's at the door. And, uh, and I walk in, I'm telling her a little bit about some of the things that, that I might want. Like I know a lot about anything in that store, right? But I, I ask her this question and she says to me, she says, well, I know just what you need. And she said, make sure that you get the eucalyptus. I said, okay. She said, because not only are you going to enjoy this product that you're buying, but you're going to get all the benefits of eucalyptus. It's enough for me, right? And so I'm looking and, and I find this, this, uh, find a lot of stuff with eucalyptus in it. I'm excited about it. And because, I mean, not only am I getting this great product, like my hand sanitizer or whatever it is, but I'm getting the benefits of eucalyptus, whatever that is. And so, <laughs> so we're on the way out, and this lady that's at the door, she's, uh, she's kind of hanging out there, you know, still, and, and Sherry gets distracted on the way out for just a moment looking at some other wonderful product, maybe with eucalyptus. And so, um, so I get to the lady, and I said, hey, I got me some of that eucalyptus. I showed her down in the bag, and she was real excited for that. And I said, by the way, 
I said, what are the benefits of eucalyptus? <laughs> she looked at me. She said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> then she asked another lady that was working there, and they told me about all these things, you know, and how it relaxes you and all the stuff. But, you know, I was thinking about this gospel-centered Christmas, this series that we're walking through. And, and we've got a world um, that, that's pointing to this baby in a manger and has no idea what it's all about. We, we sing and we read and we look and, and uh, I want to lean in these next couple of weeks and we're going to talk about a little bit of the whys. We want to look at really this, this thought of this gospel-centered Christmas and we're going to walk through Luke's gospel, chapter 1, verse 26 to verse 38 uh, this morning and I, I'm encouraged and stirred and challenged as I've just leaned into this passage this week and so we're going to jump in fast today. Verse 26, uh, you take your copy of God's Word and Read along with me. I'm just going to walk through this uh, as we go. It says this, And now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, Pastor Chris walked through uh, this this miraculous uh, time that that we see uh, with John the Baptist, that we would see with Zechariah and Elizabeth. So we, we walk through that, and so we pick up in that context, in the sixth month, right, and it says that Gabriel was sent. Now, Gabriel's the real deal angel, right? I told one of the young men that was named Gabriel uh, up in our early service this morning, like he's named after this dude, and he's a big deal, right? We see in, uh, in Daniel, we see in Daniel chapter uh, 8, I believe, we see uh, Gabriel on the scene, and we see him giving these, uh, just, just this pointing to this prophecy and to seeing uh, just interpretations and just sharing in that. And here in this place, we see that Gabriel is sent on a mission again, and he's sent to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is, is mentioned in the New Testament as the home of Mary and Joseph. But what we know is that Jesus was born uh, somewhere else, right? When we read in Luke 2 about how God is, is moving uh, the, the world, how he's using earthly rulers to do those things. And they are uh, pawns really in, in his hand as he is moving the world so that Jesus will be born uh, in where? Bethlehem, right? And so we know that's like 80 miles south. And so uh, we read that after the time of the birth of Christ, that, that, they would, uh, that Mary and Joseph would return to Nazareth and that's where Jesus would grow up. Now, Nazareth what we need to know about that is it is an insignificant place, right? It is a, it is a podunk little town, right? And, and it's uh, maybe like Otto, right? It's like if you're from Otto, like I love you. We really appreciate you driving out here. Um, no offense, right? But it's just small, right? It's just like you drive by it and don't even know. Like most people have no idea Otto even exists, right? But, but I, I'm thankful, uh, again, for all my friends from Otto, right? But, it, but here's the thing. It, when we're thinking about where we would pick, right, uh, and Nazareth ain't on the list, like Bethlehem's not on the list, Mary for sure is not on the list. This is not who we would pick uh, if we were in charge uh, of all these things, right? If we're picking, it's not her, right? She's this ordinary, young, uh, teenage girl, right, poor, and none of, none of the things that we would list as characteristics, but this is how God works, right? And this is the way uh, that God chooses to work. And, and when he works in these kind of ways, right, he gets all the glory, right? First Corinthians chapter 1 uh, would remind us that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, that, that, that he uses weak things, right? And so if you're here this morning and you feel unworthy and you feel unable and you feel all those things, I just want to tell you, welcome to church. You're in the right place and God can use you uh, for the glory of his name. Now, God God has a plan for you. In verse 27, we see that, that this angel comes to a virgin who is engaged to a man whose name 
was Joseph of the descendants of David. Now, there's a bunch in here we don't want to miss. And so it says it's from the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, we would see uh, that, that this virgin birth was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, we, we would understand uh, that this virgin birth uh, had to be that what we are seeing in Christ is uh, Jesus being fully God uh, and fully man. And so we would see him sinless. Uh, he is the God man. And what we would see is that this, this virgin is engaged, the scripture would say here, uh, to a man named Joseph. Now, when we read uh, Matthew's account, he uses a word in Matthew's gospel chapter one uh, called betrothed. It said that uh, Mary was betrothed to uh, Joseph. And so what we see, and there's some important things we need to know uh, about this uh, engagement and what it means. In, in the Jewish custom uh, in Israel, they would split this marriage process and in really into three uh, parts. And so the first part, uh, for you young people, you can see how you would think about this, right? It was the choice of the mate, right? The parents or this matchmaker, they kind of look around and be like, I think that might be a good one, right? And so they're they're kind of matchmaking this deal, and, and the couples and the family, they would take a little bit of time, and they would approve the match, and they would enter in to this formal agreement, right? A lot of times this would be signed uh, in the synagogue. This would be a, a big deal, right? And when they would enter into this formal contract, a lot of times, by the way, it included a dowry. Maybe we should bring that back, right? Girl dads out there, maybe we should they have to bring this dowry out. So so to include the dowry, and once the contract had been signed, they entered into uh, this second stage, which was betrothal. And during this stage, they were bound to one another as husband and wife. And if a woman was found to be pregnant during this part uh, of the engagement, during this betrothal, uh, she was viewed as an adulterer and could be publicly stoned. So this is the place that they... Are in. Now, the, the man, the, the husband, could choose to put her away privately. He could choose to settle this matter uh, in private. But, but we understand that they are in this place. Now, the Scripture would tell us that, uh, that, that they are of the descendants of David. Now, why is that important? What does it matter? This is important, right, because God has been pointing to this moment uh, and he has been giving us prophecy that we could see. And we think about why Bethlehem, why David. And what I want you to see is that God's promises are preserved. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning as we walk through this passage, right? God's promises are preserved. And you can know this. God keeps his promises. I am so grateful, right, that we have the Word of God where God's promises are preserved. And many of you understand what it feels like to have promises made to you and those promises to be broken. It could have been uh, someone that you trusted had promised to never hurt you. It could have been uh, a husband or a wife or it could be a father. It could be someone that has made promises that they have not kept and the pain and the things are there. But I want you to understand that God keeps His promises and that He has preserved His promises through His Word. And what we see in this passage and what we understand is that the, the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. Why is that important? David was born in Bethlehem. And God had promised in 2 Samuel chapter 7 in the Davidic covenant that, that there was a house and a kingdom, that David's house and kingdom, that it would endure, that his throne would be established forever. Uh, Looking in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, the scripture says this, that when your days are complete, verse 12, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up 
your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, right? And so we're thinking about Solomon. We're seeing those kind of things. But look, he says this, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 16, uh, skip down to verse 16. The scripture says this, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Now, what we would read in the Old Testament and what we would read in Micah chapter 1, that because of the rebellion and the sin of God's people, that, that it would appear uh, that this Davidic dynasty, right, would be in collapse and ruin because of their sin, because of their rebellion. Micah chapter 1, we see that, but in Micah chapter 5, there's a prophecy. And in Micah chapter 5, it says this, but as for you, Bethlehem, if after too little to be among the clans of Judah from you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago. Look at that last part. From the days of eternity. Right in John's gospel, when he tells the Christmas story, he says, in the beginning was the word, right? Referring to Jesus. And then he, then he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what we see that Jesus, the final and the greater David, is to be born in Bethlehem, the one that would, that would claim the throne that was lost. And what we see in Scripture is that God's promises are preserved, that we can trust his promises. And in this passage, we also see God's presence is powerful. Look at verse 28. The scripture says this, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. This is, this is good news, right? When you, when you hear that, like, like, and I want you to just get in the setting here for just a minute. The angel Gabriel shows up, and when an angel shows up, it, it, it's not, uh, th th there's always an immediate uh, thing that the angel s shares, right? Do not fear, because it is a fearful moment, right? And so she hears this, this greeting, greetings, favored one, and she is perplexed, the scripture says in verse 29. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He says, listen, don't have a heart attack, don't die. Uh, this is a scary moment, and he says, you have found favor with God. I wonder what Mary was thinking in that moment. Can you imagine like an angel shows up and says, Mary, you found favor with God. She's probably thinking, like, I'm, I'm probably getting like a new camel. Um, there's there's got to be some incredible blessing that I'm going to experience because of this moment. And a lot of times, maybe our mind goes to that kind of moment, right? And he says, you found favor, favor with God. And behold, verse 31, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, remember that prophecy. He says he will be great. His glory and his majesty, he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. You know, this, this language, right? He will, he will conceive and bear a son. Now, in the Old Testament, we would see 
language that was similar, right? Where barren woman would, barren women would would give uh, birth, right? Isaac, and we would see Jacob and Samuel. We'd see uh, these these places. We would see even in, in the story from last week, right, of John the Baptist, right? These miraculous births, these miraculous things. But understand when you read this, this is not just a barren woman. This is a virgin woman, right? And and he is going to be great. We see this incredible call. We, we understand. That, that God's promises are preserved, that his presence is powerful. And when Mary hears these words, right, we know that God's plan is perfect. But here's, here's the thing. It doesn't always feel that way in the midst. And when Mary hears these incredible words that, that she's going to give birth to a son, right, and, and in that moment, Mary has found herself in a spot that didn't make sense. She's found herself in a moment where it's really not even comprehensible what's going on. And in verse 34, Mary says to the angel, and now remember, Zechariah had some questions and we found him silent for a season, right? And so obviously there was something different about this question that Mary asked, right? Mary's not saying, God, I don't believe you can do this or I don't believe your word, but she's saying, hey, I'm a virgin and I don't understand how this could even be possible. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, the angel says to her, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And look at verse 37. It says, nothing shall be impossible with God. Amen. And I want us just to pause a second there. Think about what Mary's heard and these, this declaration from this angel. And, and I want to show you how Mary responds. And really her response is the the thing that I, I've been so excited to get to this morning um, because it's our response to the gospel. It's our response to the good news of Jesus Christ. And her response is an incredible example to us. And Mary responds in this way. Verse 38, she says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What we see in this moment is, is Mary surrenders her everything, right? She surrenders to the will of God for her life and everything changed. Everything changed. She says, the bond servant of the Lord, she says, let it be unto me according to your will. Everything in her life immediately is going to be different. Nothing would be the same. Can you imagine the cost? Like she still has to tell Joseph. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine the things that are running through her mind, the ridicule that she would face, the ridicule that would continue on with her? In, in John chapter 8, we find the Jews, we find the Pharisees, and, and they're engaging with Jesus over his divinity. Jesus is, is, is uh, allowing uh, his, his divinity. He's, he's claiming to be God, and, and there's these moments where miracles are taking place and things are happening, and these Jews, these Pharisees, they're saying, hey, uh, we weren't born of fornication like you are. Jesus is in his 30s, and people, these, these people are in those kind of places. And so this, this stigma, this thing that she is carrying, it is still going. And that's John 8, 41, if you want to look at that. But, but here's what we understand about 
Mary. Here's what we understand about surrender. Her surrender was costly. Ridicule, pain, difficulty. Her surrender was not easy. But I want you to know God would use her to deliver his son to this world. You know, I shared earlier just a little bit about the Lottie Moon offering and this young girl, small in stature, she would leave her family and her comfort and her security, her home in Charlottesville, Virginia, and she would go as a Southern Baptist missionary from 1873 to 1912. She would travel to China and so much would change in her life. And she would write letters back to the States to her home church and she would share of the need and, and ask for money to buy food and school supplies and all those things. And man, the, the, the courage and the determination, her faith, her willingness uh, just to, to be obedient to the Lord. And, and on the, the fly leaf following her death, these words were penned and they were Lottie's words. Oh, that I could consecrate myself, soul and body to his service forever. Oh, that I could give myself up to him so as never more to attempt to be my own or to have any will or affection improper for those conformed to him. She goes on to say, the call to follow Christ is not easy, to fully surrender to his call. How many there are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in bringing back a lost world to God. See, God desires to use all of you all the time for the glory of his name. Lottie Moon, the person that this Christmas offering was named after, she was a lady that came to Christ at around 18 years old and she surrendered her life to God's will. God looked at this young lady and she experienced favor in her life, his ultimate favor. She experienced salvation and his grace and his mercy. She experienced the presence of God and the favor of God was on her life as she was called to go and deliver Jesus to the people of China. Incredible what God did through her by 1888, there were Southern Baptist women that organized and collected $3,315 to send uh, aid needed to those in China. And last year, last year only, $196.1 million was given to see the gospel go forth all around this world. The favor of God on her life looked like sacrifice. Everything changed. She was engaged to a man at one point, And we read of this man and, and his, uh, he ended up uh, really departing from, from the faith and ended up uh, dying an atheist. And she broke off this engagement that she had with him. And he ended up going to Harvard and, and just binding to some really crazy false teachings and ended up uh, dying an atheist. And she ended up dying on mission for the glory of God. God used her life in an incredible way. Some of you saw an email update. Uh, Mike Johnson, one of our deacons, was sharing about his wife, and he shared an, a summary from a Sunday school class they were in last week. And he said this, and it was interesting. It was on the same passage of Scripture. And he said, one day, just a young girl anticipating marriage and the life of being a carpenter's wife to being told that she would be the mother of the Messiah, the Savior of the world, she eagerly accepted the life God had planned for her 
Mike Wright's Dr. Jones concluded that sometimes God steps into our lives and tells us his plan for us and that we are to embrace God's plan and move forward knowing that we will never be the person we were before. That's what happens at the moment of our salvation, but God's work does not stop there. He is at work all around us, and he has a plan that will continue to change our lives as soon as we eagerly accept it. God's promises are preserved. His presence is powerful, and his plan is perfect. And follower of Jesus Christ, we are surrendered to the will of the Father. And when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, when we say yes to Jesus and we respond in surrender, when we say yes, the only answer that we give him for the rest of our lives is that same answer, yes. And the reality is that I don't always do that. The reality is that I don't always say yes when he calls. I don't always say yes to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. One pastor said it this way, God can do more with your surrender than you can do with your control. See, the truth is we don't like to let go of things. We don't like to let go of control. And we have this false sense so many times in our life that we are in control and that we can handle all these things and we can do all these things. But God can do more with our surrender than we could ever imagine with our control. And I wonder, child of God, this morning, what are you holding on to? What is it that we are clinging to? Where do we need to surrender? And what we see in Mary's life is that God does something in her and then does something through her. And God desires in his people to do something in us and do something through us. What's God calling you to do today where it may seem impossible? where it may seem impossible in your own strength. And my encouragement is that we would open our hands and we would trust in his plan. His power is made perfect in weakness. His presence is powerful. His plan is perfect. Maybe you're here this morning and somebody, maybe somebody invited you to come this morning. Maybe you're a guest with us. Maybe you've been in church for your whole life, I want to ask you, have you ever experienced the ultimate favor of God? Have you ever given your life over to him? Not just God with us, but God in us, God in you to work through you. Maybe your understanding of the gospel and so many times in the Western world that we live in, so many times the gospel uh, has been termed all about us. Maybe your understanding has been all about you. Uh, God, I want you to give me these things and I, I, I my, your favor will be on me and I'll have all these things. And maybe those even include, uh, God, I, I hope uh, and, and I don't want to die and I don't want to go to hell and I don't want to do those things. But maybe your whole life has been ar- around you and what you want and not surrender to Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that when we read these stories, when we read about John the Baptist, we understand his life was all about pointing to Jesus. His life was all about Jesus. When we read about Mary, the story is really not about Mary. The story is about Jesus. And what we understand is many times we try to make uh, this story all about us. But I want you to understand that it's all about Jesus. And he is worthy of our praise. And his desire is not just that we say, hey, 
you can have a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And God, I want all these things from you. His desire is that he would come in and that we would surrender our life to him and that he would take over our life and that we would live for the glory of his name. And what God desires is all of you. He desires every part of you. And here's what we understand. Uh, It costs you nothing. Jesus paid it all. He died on Calvary's cross in our place. He died a sinner's death in our place. It costs us nothing. But then at the same time, it costs us everything. It costs us nothing and everything at the same time. See, this gift of salvation, it's received and not earned. It is something that the scripture would say that it is by grace through faith that you are saved, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Obedience is the result. That's how we, we look at our lives. You say, I wanna, am I a believer? Have I followed Jesus? Has there ever been a time where you've repented of your sins and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And the result of that should be obedience. Now, we're not gonna be perfect. We're still gonna wrestle in our flesh, but if the God of heaven takes up residence inside your soul. I want you to understand that your life will be different. And if there's no change, there is no Jesus. See, the favor of God is that we deserved the wrath of God. And Jesus took it in our place. And our response, like Mary, is surrender. Our response, surrender to Jesus. Turn from your sin and trust in him. And my hope is for every one of us that this morning, if you've never done that, that you would say yes to Jesus for the first time. And that it would be the beginning of a life yielded to his will and not our own. I want to pray for us and we're going to worship the king this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you uh, have had a time in your life where you've surrendered your life to Christ and you are a a part of the family of God. Uh, But this morning you realize that like me, there's many times where I know that my response should always be yes, but I've been holding on. Maybe this morning you need to lay that down and let go. Whatever it is that you're clinging to, whatever it is that uh, just weighs you down, Jesus says to to come all who are weary and heavy laden and in him you will find rest. So if you're weary this morning, we pray that you would come, that our posture would be surrender. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is the favor of God that you are in this moment. And the scripture says that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never trusted him, it's my prayer that as they begin to sing, uh, and and even in these moments that you might, in just a posture of surrender, just to say, God, my life is yours. I thank you for the, the work that was done on the cross in my place. Jesus died a sinner's death. And if you'll look to that cross and say, you know, when Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me. I believe that what Jesus did that day was in my place. I deserve death in the favor of God. Jesus took the wrath of God. They placed him in a barred tomb, and on the third day, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, proving that his 
that his sacrifice was accepted by God. And he rules and reigns. This morning, if you've never trusted him, call on his name even in these moments. And then as we begin to sing and as we begin to worship, I want you to come to share with with one of our pastors, to share with me that, hey, this morning, my response is surrender to Jesus as Lord. Maybe you've got a need this morning. You want to come and pray in this altar. Maybe the words that Gabriel just echoed to Mary when she said, I don't understand. I don't understand how this could even be possible. And he said, nothing is impossible for God. Maybe you need to come and just trust him. Say, God, I trust you with this this morning. I surrender control. I surrender myself. I praise you. Lord, we pray, God, for your presence to be strong. And God, that you would take these that are gathered here and God, in their surrender, God, that you would use them, that you would use us to deliver your son to this world. God, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand this morning?